Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Wednesday, December 23rd. What do Canadians think of how our political leaders handled the pandemic during 2020? We break down the results of the latest Ipsos polling done exclusively for Global News. How can you manage your mental health as the virus continues to fill our thoughts over the holiday season? Well, we'll get some tips and tricks to help you deal with stress from a psychology professor. Even our homes need some love and attention heading into the cold winter months, so we're going to get some tips from an expert on how to enjoy the holidays without a disaster in your home. And if you're looking to get out in the fresh air and off the beaten path, Lori Beattie, author of Calgary's Best Walks, the expanded edition, joins us with some info on new routes to explore. Exclusive Ipsos polling done for Global News shows the Liberals are holding on to a slight lead and keeping it in support from Canadians as we look back at how our political leaders handled 2020 and the pandemic. Joining us to break down the numbers is Daryl Bricker, Ipsos CEO of Public Affairs. Morning, Daryl. Morning, Sue. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's talk about a little bit uh, where the Liberals sitting as it looks like uh, Trudeau getting a, a pretty favorable view from most Canadians as we see how he handled the 2020 pandemic. Yeah, we have the Liberals ahead by three right now. So it's uh, 35 for the Liberals and uh, 32 for the Conservatives nationwide with the NDP trailing quite a bit at 18. But that's up a little bit for the NDP since the last election. Now, is that up for the Conservatives as well? Because overall, that's not too big of a, you know, a space between one and two positions. Yeah, pretty close to what they got the last in the last election, which was around 34. The Liberals are up a little bit. Um, they're up at 35, and they were actually trailed the Conservatives by about a point in terms of popular uh, support in the last election campaign. So they moved up a little bit, and the... The thing about uh, where we are in, in terms of uh, the federal numbers at the moment is it's it's almost exactly what it was was a year ago. I mean, we've been through all of the storm and drang of, of of politics and pandemics and everything else for the last for the last twelve months, and the numbers have barely budged. Really interesting, especially when you look at you know favorably for the most part. It seems Canadians were looking back at you know benefits like CERB, et cetera, and just getting a vaccine for Canadians really quickly. You'd think that the Liberals might have gained a little bit more. Did you look specifically at numbers for the leaders themselves? We just looked at the Prime Minister's approval level, and he's at fifty-six, which is up about thirteen points from mm. where he was. Say for example, just before the um, before the pandemic struck last February, at least struck in Canada. So it has helped his personal approval numbers. It's also helped the government's performance numbers in terms of uh, actual performance in managing the pandemic. They've done pretty well. So they're up. Uh, they're up in the close to sixty, uh, actually just over sixty uh, when it when it comes to that as well. But the thing that's really interesting about it is it doesn't seem to have moved where we are in a in a partisan sense. So what's going on is that people are saying, yes, I'm acknowledging the government's doing all of this uh, for us. But I'm not specifically attributing that to the Prime Minister and to the Liberal Party. Right. Interesting. What other, did you ask specific questions that you can share with us? Yeah, we, one of the other big things that we looked at was um, whether or not uh, uh, various institutions in, in, in Canada have done a good job in terms of uh, dealing with the pandemic. And just about everything we looked at, education, hospitals, um, businesses, everybody, is all performing pretty well from the perspective of Canadians. The one place that isn't is the one place where we've seen uh, the the most effect from the pandemic, which is long-term care. And if there's, uh, for seniors, and if there's an issue that's going to emerge as we move out of this pandemic where uh, 
people have seen what the ramifications of not managing this well, uh, this um, uh, this particular uh, group of the population well, and the facilities for that population well, where there's going to be pressure that's going to build on government and also the people who provide long-term care for seniors is on that specific topic. Yeah, not terribly surprising, is it? Did you break things down uh, by province, and, and what does it look like for us here in Alberta? Oh, it's Blur's Day. <laughs> it's, it's the same old thing. I mean, the, the, the uh, one of the uh, really um, uh, uh, strong elements that you see in, in any public opinion research, not just this poll, is how regionally divided Canadians are when it comes to support for this particular government, for the Liberal Party. So in Alberta, uh, they probably end up exactly where they ended up in uh, in the last election campaign, which is, you know, zero seats. Uh, maybe they might squeak through in one, but, uh, you know, they're well, well behind in uh, in Alberta. And everything that I just mentioned in terms of prime ministerial, prime ministerial approval or approval of the government is much lower in the province of Alberta. Not much of a surprise there, Daryl, at all, is it? No, it's, you know, and, and but this is almost forever in Canadian politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to Pierre Trudeau, but even even before that, um, where Western Canada seems to go in its own direction. When I talk about the West, I mean Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta. British Columbia actually looks more and more like Ontario every day. Um, it, you, you see, um, you know, all three parties doing reasonably well in, in, um, in British Columbia. You see all three parties doing reasonably well in the province of Ontario. And one of the big things that we've seen in this most recent poll, and we'll see if it lasts, is that the Conservatives and the uh, and the Liberals have, uh, are closer in Ontario in this polling than they were in our last poll. Interesting numbers. Thanks so much for breaking it down. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Same to you. Thanks, Thank sir. you. Thank you for all the great work that Ipsos does. That is Daryl Bricker, Ipsos CEO of Public Affairs. COVID-19 and continued restrictive public health measures can certainly take a toll on mental health. We know this. We've been watching it happen over the past year. Natalie Mota is an assistant professor and research director with the Department of Clinical Health Psychology at the University of Manitoba. Manitoba. She joins us now with some therapeutic ways to maybe manage that stress related to the pandemic over the holidays. Thanks for joining us, Natalie. Good morning. Good morning. Let's talk a little bit about uh, something called dialectical behavior therapy. What the heck is that? (laughs) So dialectical behavior therapy, or DBT, is an intensive and multi-component therapy that has been shown to be helpful in the treatment of several mental health conditions. But there are concepts and strategies derived from DDT that can help all of us in managing the stress of this pandemic. So, for example, one of the uh, fundamental concepts of DDT is this idea of adopting a dialectical mindset. And what that means is that we can acknowledge and accept a stressful situation for what it is. We can validate how we're feeling about it while at the same time engaging in problem-solving strategies and coping techniques to get through the situation. So uh, adopting a dialectical mindset during the pandemic, for example, might be uh, acknowledging that during a lockdown, we can't physically be with loved ones who are not in our household and validating that we might feel really sad and disappointed about that. But those two pieces of information can help us move forward and problem solve in a more effective way, 
how to get creative about connecting with others and reducing our distress a little bit by coming up with you know, creative ways to, to connect with others, like joining a virtual movie night or trivia night mm-hmm. or drive-by visit and so forth. So am I, am I hearing you correctly? This would be a therapy that you would probably see a professional for, this dialectical behavior therapy, but there are things that we can take from it and sort of implement ourselves. And, and, and is dialectical behavior then, is that a dialect? Is that talking to ourselves? Is that what that kind of breaks down to? I think it means, um, and yes, you're absolutely uh, correct about it being a therapy and we can kind of take skills from it that that really apply to the current situation of of this pandemic. A dialectic means really kind of accepting two truths at the same time. Mm. And that's kind of what I was referring to about being able to kind of accept and validate that we might be feeling really strong, unpleasant emotions about this pandemic and at the same time time thinking about skills and strategies to help get us through it. Okay, that makes sense. So can you give us some other strategies that we might be able to work on at home with our, our you know, ourselves, but also with our loved ones too, if, if they might be being affected by it? Sure. So I think sometimes emotions like disappointment and anger and sadness can give uh, get a bit of a bad rap because they can be unpleasant to experience. But kind of recognizing our emotions and, and those types of emotions when they happen within ourselves can be really helpful in terms of giving us information about what we might need in the moment. So we might be at a grocery store and someone might ram into us with their cart. And our urge in the moment might be to engage in, in an impulsive behavior that um, might not be helpful to mm-hmm. us later. You know, we might want mm-hmm. to yell and cause a scene, but then we might be kicked out of the grocery store and not get our ultimate goal met, which was getting groceries and going home. So one DBT strategy is called opposite action. And it's uh, recognizing when we are experiencing an intense emotion and then neutralizing it by engaging in a situation that brings up an emotion that is opposite to the one that we're feeling. So with anger, uh, if our urge is to lash out or yell, for example, then we might adopt uh, the other side of the spectrum, which is being exceedingly gentle. So in that grocery store, we might move out of the way and say, after you, please. <laughs> not, not being sarcastic, right? Really just kind of... A, Are we biting our tongue at the place. same time as we're doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it can really help to kind of take our, our own emotion down a few notches. Uh, if we're experiencing a lot of sadness over the holidays because we can't have the get-togethers that, that we're used to, then we might um, practice an activity that, that brings out happiness or humor, um, like putting on our, our favorite uh, fast-paced dance tune and uh, dancing around the house to it. <laughs> okay, I like that. So just kind of, you know, trying to pull yourself out of, of where you are and, and switch it up really completely, right? Exactly. It, it might not necessarily solve your problem, but in that moment when you really just want to get through that intense emotion and feeling without 
potentially making the situation worse or less helpful for yourself, it can help just turn down the volume on some of that emotional intensity. And I suspect that's not an easy thing to do, and maybe that's part of it, is that it takes some work to really get yourself to, to be able to flip the switch, really. And, and you know, that kind of takes your mind off what's, what's triggered you too, right? Yeah, I think it's cheesy but true that practice makes perfect. And so starting to um, practice uh, opposite action, um, even in situations that might cause us, you know, a little bit of annoyance or sadness or um, fearfulness uh, or, or, you know, can help us in, in situations down the line when, when those emotions are a bit more intense because we can kind of bring that skill a little bit more to the, the forefront of our brains and, and execute it when, when we need it the most. And I like what you said, too, about, you know, not pushing the emotion down and kind of ignoring it, but acknowledging it and, and realizing that, yeah, that is the way we feel and it's okay to feel that way and what can we do to change it. Thank you. Great discussion. Appreciate your time this morning, Natalie. No problem. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. That is Natalie Mota, Assistant Professor, Research Director, Department of Clinical Health Psychology at the University of Manitoba. Even your home experiences the winter blues sometimes, and it's been challenging through 2020. So we need to make sure that uh, we keep our homes happy, healthy, and safe for us. And joining us this morning is Joe Kilcup with Reliance, the Furnace Company, with some tips to help make sure we get through the holidays and beyond without any problems in our homes. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. So, you know, tips when we leave the house, even though we're not maybe going away as much as we normally might be, but things that we need to practice over the winter months when we walk out that front door, some of the things we should think about. What comes to mind most for you? Well, I think I think it's been quite a challenging year for all of us. And, you know, the last thing the last thing we want to do is let our guard down when it comes to preventative home maintenance in the wintertime. So it seems like we all know someone or know of somebody that's had some kind of a terrible experience in their home. And it seems like Murphy's Law that it happens only on the coldest days of the year. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is when our home, this is when our home is most vulnerable. So with a little bit of preventative care and helpful tips, there's certainly challenges that we won't have to worry about for the, for the coming season. So, so give us a couple of the big ones. Yeah, a couple of big ones. First one, I would say, you know, you want to drip your faucets, which means on the very coldest days of the year, it can help. Uh, it can be helpful to let a slow drip come out of your faucets periodically, and this can help keep a slow flow of water through the pipes and preventing it from freezing. And ultimately, when water freezes in a pipe, it expands, mm. and that in turn can cause the pipe to burst. Right, so that can be uh, very expensive damages to your home, and and this is one measure that we can take to prevent that from happening. Even when we're home, even if it's, I mean, we haven't hit those temperatures yet, but they are more likely than not coming. But So it is something even we can do. We're not away. We're in our homes. You still drip the faucet occasionally? Yeah, and that's it's going to be something you're going to do, obviously, when you're when you're at home and you're able to do it. You can just let a slow drip out. And it's not something you, you need to do the entire winter, but definitely on the coldest days of the year, it's, it's always best to keep water uh, somewhat moving through the pipes to prevent them from freezing. Is it too late to get our furnace inspected now? that we've pretty much got them kicking in full force? Uh, not at all. You know, and again, like I like I alluded to at the beginning there, the, the time your furnace uh, is most likely to fail is going to be when it's working the hardest. So I know a lot of people think, oh, no, 
it's the coldest time of the year. Of course, my furnace breaks at this time of year. But the reality of it is, is that's when your furnace is working the hardest. So, um, you know, many of those problems come because they're working so hard. And uh, unfortunately, it is also the most inconvenient time. So it's it's never too late to have your furnace checked by Reliance. Make sure that, uh, you know, the holiday season is only as eventful as you want it to be. Perfect. And you know what I wanted to touch on as well before we let you go? Uh, Calgary Fire Department yesterday responding to multiple carbon monoxide emergencies with all the snow piling up outside of our homes. So well, thoughts on that? Well, thoughts on that is there there are definitely a few things that we can do to alert ourselves that this is happening. Uh, one thing we want to keep in mind is that if we're at home or sorry, if we're at work all day, uh, you know, we might have pets or loved ones at home. Uh, you want to be able to monitor what's going on in your house at all times. So we do have a number of products out there. Uh, we even have smart CO detectors that will alert you on your on your handheld to let you know exactly what's going on in the house uh, while you're away. Okay, so good reminders and things we really need to think about just to keep everybody happy and healthy as we head through the uh, the holidays. Uh, Reliance, uh, always a great option and website for folks if they want to book maybe a, a furnace checkup. Absolutely. We're here 24-7, 365. So even if you're in a little bit of trouble late at night, absolutely give us a call. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you very much. That is Joe Kilcup, Installations Manager at Reliance, the furnace company. 909 now and if you are looking for a way to explore the city even with the current restrictions in place we've got details on the expanded edition of Calgary's Best Walks. We're joined by author Lori Beatty. Good morning Lori. Morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's talk about I believe the the original version came out in 2015 is that correct? That's Right. That yeah, that's correct. I actually wrote uh, a book in 2002 on this, and then I updated it in 2015, and now this is the expanded, better than ever version. I love it. Okay, t- so tell us, you know, go back in time and tell us how it all started and how many walks you had involved in, and what that even looks like for people. Right. Exactly. So um, when I uh, started all this walking around Calgary, I realized there was no guidebook to sort of show people what's awesome in their city. I mean, people head out of the city um, to have little travel adventures, but. Um, right now, the best thing you can do is, is uh, have like be a tourist in your own city. Mm-hmm. So walking around Calgary, um, I get you off the beaten path, connecting neighborhoods, parks. You want a coffee shop, they're in there, um, craft beer, or just nature spots where you're going to get away from it all. But in a, in a way that um, sort of connects you in a, in a way that you're not going to expect. I love that because, you know, sometimes we we walk around and, you know, with our heads in the clouds almost and you don't sort of notice the things that are around you. And you've pointed out, you know, you, you don't just tell us about a walk, but the things we can look for on some of those walks, too. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's also just the people you connect to as well. And we're looking for that right now as we're uh, looking for more connections with human beings. So when you're out and about, you have serendipitous interactions. Um, you haven't had to plan them. They just happen to say hi to somebody. Um, and I love that. That's what I love about walking is you're on the ground, you're approachable, you're, you're interacting with the world. So you actually meet neighbors, um, community people, you go across the city to another area, you, you see things you would have never known existed. And there's a lot to see in Calgary. Uh, tell us a couple of the things that maybe we have no clue even exist in this city of ours. Right. So I think what people don't know is how many um, little connector trails and stairways are throughout the city. Uh, public art scattered throughout as well. Uh, garage art in Sunnyside. So when you head out in that area, a lot of the community members have painted their garages. Uh, lots of fun stuff. You've got the murals of the Beltline. And then you've got the single track trails that people don't know about that are around the paved pathways. 
um, like, say, the Glenmore Reservoir. You can do that, but you can also go into the Weaselhead, which is a single-track trail system that is spectacular along the Elbow River. You have the Jackrabbit Trail as part of that system on the south side of Glenmore Reservoir. And most people don't know it exists. And you can dip and climb your way through there and have it almost to yourself. Um, there's a lot of getaways. There's also a lot of places where you can interact with the world um, and people, too. So it's just a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and, and right now, a great thing. We need to be outdoors. We can't do too much inside. So why not get out and enjoy? So Calgary's Best Walks Expanded Edition. What, what exactly have you added? Why, why did you find the need to add more? It's not like, you know, these walks have just suddenly appeared in the city, have they? Right. Um, well, walks could be anywhere, first of all, because I'm not just following a, a park. I'm actually creating unique uh, combinations of neighborhood connections. So we have different neighborhoods that are growing. Um, I've added more into the outskirts. So let's say Cranston and the wetlands out there. Um, that, that's fairly new in the last few years. The Rotary wetlands, spectacular. I've got, um, you know, the Royal Oak wetlands in the far northwest Um and then I, you know, I get people calling me and saying, hey, my neighborhood has this. And so Shaughnessy, uh, there's some wetlands in there and there's some interesting neighborhood pathways. Uh, added that to the, to the route. Um, Dover up in the southeast, um, you know, added that in. So there's a lot and beautiful views from those escarpments. That's mm. the thing we have in Calgary. Tons of river valleys. And then you get up to these amazing viewpoints. So this, our rolling topography in the city really makes walking ideal. And, and adding in as well, you know, some First Nations history, some archaeology, some geologic information as too. So how do you find all this, this information? Is it mostly from people kind of getting in touch with you? Um, well, let's do a lot of research about the areas. So when I, when I look into a walk, I mean, I enjoy just walking it, but I think what's, what's the history of this? And I, really, I want to, I want to, you know, appeal to anybody and everybody. So everybody has a different interest. Some people want to go out and walk for exercise. Some people want to know the history. Some people want to know, you know, where it all began. What's the geological base for all of this place? So I try to add snippets of everything in the book, you know, even including the sidebars on coffee shops, so that anybody with any interest will find a reason to go outdoors and move in our city. And that way, you know, you know you'll just get out there and you'll have a great experience and you'll just want to keep on doing it. Why does walking make us happy, Lori? Um, it slows you down, and people have probably found this during the pandemic, and it uh, gets the blood flow going. Um, it gets the creative juices flowing. It gives you perspective, because when you're out and about in the world, you start to interact with it in a different way, and you notice things you don't in a car when you're rushing on Glenmore and Deerfoot and Crow Child. Um, you slow it down, and this pandemic has allowed us to slow down, and if there's one takeaway from this pandemic, I'd say that's the best thing, is that we slowed it down to look around, interact with people, our environment, and see what's really important. And I think that you're going to find when you walk in Calgary, it's all like going to be awesome. You're going to think, wow, why haven't I been doing this? <laughs> I love it. I know your <laughs> books are available on Amazon, also in city bookstores, I'm imagining. Okay, they're not on Amazon, but they're on Indigo. And um, oh, okay. yeah, you can find them on my website, fitfrog.ca has a list of all stores, and you can buy them directly from me. Um, pick up, all that stuff is online. So yeah, check it out fitfrog.ca. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us. That's a great Thank Christmas you. gift idea. Your book is. Thank you. I think so too. Thanks, Lori. Appreciate your time. <laughs> yeah. That is Lori yeah. Beatty, author of Calgary's Best Walks. The expanded edition is now available.